up nicely. It's the Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. Yeah, they clean up nicely. Hey, hey. What's up, Fusomania? How are you today? I'm great. How are you today, Drew Pierce? Had an awesome holiday, and I'm pretty excited that we don't have to hear Christmas music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It Well, you might get a little bit of it until New Year's, but, you know, it's officially over. Did you get, did you get any good gifts? You have to did think I about get- it. No. So the answer is no. <laughs> I don't know if this is good or not. My dad is king of giving really bad gifts, but he got me an RF reader so that if I go into a hotel room, I can see if there's uh, any hidden cameras. Oh, dang. Yeah. Is that something you got to be worried about these days? I, I think he's worried about it. I don't know that I'm worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting gift. Uh, I kind of like it. I mean, you travel a lot, so I think you should you should bust it out and use it just just for the sake. Just to see if there's any mm-hmm. hidden cameras. Call some mm-hmm. people out. Check the yeah. vents. Yeah. Uh, speaking of traveling, I do have a really funny story I wanted to share with you. Um, so I just got back from Nashville. I did a corporate party out there, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, there may have been a lot of drinking before I got on the plane, uh, no. or I definitely, I just didn't go to sleep. Let's be honest. And, uh, I went to get on the plane and I had got bumped up to first class and, you know, dry mouth and I'm just dying. And I'm apparently sawing logs heavy up in first class and you, no. <laughs> I get woken up by this guy just shakes me are you alive? Are you alive? And I jump up and it's fucking Theo Vaughn standing over me, (laughs) yelling at me, bro, you're snoring so loud in the hole. You're waking the whole plane. And I, you know, again, I, I hadn't gone to sleep. And so I'm just like in a daze going, what the fuck is happening? Where am I? And uh, proceeded to attempt to stay awake the whole rest of the flight <laughs> so i didn't wake up theo vaughn who then put his headphones on and was just like and his hoodie and was just hiding out so if you guys hear any comedy bits about that that was definitely me i i gotta admit i think you're gonna be on a TikTok soon i just saw a theo vaughn one yesterday where he talks about he woke up uh, a guy that just kept ripping ass in the seat in front of him that was asleep and he says that he woke him up completely and his wife was sitting next to him. He was like, I felt I was doing my wife or his wife a favor. That guy's been probably blasting ass for years. And she's just too tired to say anything about it. And then he goes into like, and then I was sitting next to this baby. And the baby, like, <laughs> you know how he tells his stories. <laughs> you're, you're definitely right. going to be on one. Well, I hope so. So if the listeners, if you catch that, send it to me. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I, I can't wait till I'm scrolling on TikTok and and I was so tired, I was so dead that I couldn't even, I couldn't bring myself to talk to him or say anything. I was just like out of it because, uh, you know, it's Nashville. You you drink, that's what you do. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna be scrolling and I'm gonna see it. Uh, before we get into today's show, we have a great guest for you guys. But I also want to say, if you haven't yet. If you use the promo code uh, Drew and Fuse Show, it'll get you 30% off your first month 
of activation at directmusicservice.com. That's promo code Drew and Fuse Show. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go over there, sign up. Again, 30% off your first month. So, um, yeah, Drew, anything to add? No, that's it. I would like to get into this week's guest. I'm pretty pumped. All right. So, this week's guest was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. He's played gigs all over the world from Las Vegas to Tokyo. He's done parties with A-listers such as the Kardashians, Paris Hilton, uh, Jennifer Lopez, and more. Uh, this was a really interesting thing, which we want to talk about. That's why I'm saying that. He's done television deals with Quincy Jones and Jimmy Iovine. He's a part of the legendary crew, the Beat Junkies. Please, please help us welcome DJ Melo D. What's going on, boys? That's stacked. Look at just that, that wall is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, doing well. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. It's uh, nice and sunny here in Cincy today, so uh, it's been rainy for like the last month, so it feels nice to have oh. some of that that SoCal weather yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I was just joking with my kids the other day. Well, they were joking with me because, uh, uh, yeah, born and raised out here in SoCal, like I literally like wear shorts like year round, like with the exception of maybe like three or four days when it gets to like the low 40s, like, all right, I'll throw on a pair of pants today, you know, but uh, yeah, so I'm definitely not used to, to the cold. I'm a California kid through and through. Uh, I was uh, in California where I had pants, a sweatshirt on, and flip flops. I was like, "It's a oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's uh, another style trend." Right that now. is. I was gonna say that's been a popular style for like a decade, a decade or so. <laughs> I've been seeing more more of that in the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, it's just been raining here, and it's been like this. It hasn't officially gotten cold here yet. And then it's not really like super warm either. So it's just been rainy and like 50 degrees for like a month straight, which has sucked. Oh, uh, see, see, I kind of, I kind of like, uh, I like the cold. Um, I prefer the cold to the, the hot weather. I've just always uh, been like that. So I kind of wish uh, that we had um, a little more of an extended winter out here. We had a nice long winter, like a kind of a harsh winter last year, but um, I wouldn't be mad if we had a few more cold days you know year after year out here in socal so yeah, yeah. just a per personal preference but when you say cold fuse what do you like your cold is like like what 20s like i know it gets brick out there right like, like yeah and yeah it'll get down like that's i just wish it would make up its mind for me i'm like if it's gonna be hot i just want it to be hot enough to where i can wear my shorts and t-shirt and be good right. but like right yeah, once it gets cold, I'm I just want it to be cold too because this yeah. like between is what sucks. Like during the day, it'll get up to like fifty, but then you know closer at night, it'll be like thirty eight. You know, so right now, and that's yeah. what sucks. But yeah, thirty eight. That's definitely where I throw a pair of pants on. Thirty eight. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, I did this gig. Um, this is probably two thousand nine or 10, 10 or eleven in Grand Prairie, which is uh the northwest tip of Canada. Um, and I had been told that it was going to be cold. So, you know, I brought my, you know, my jacket and had like a pair of long johns and stuff. So I get off the plane and, uh, as we're, you know, deplaning, uh, the, the captain says it's, uh, it's a nice nine degrees outside. I'm like, Oh my God, nine degrees. What's this going to feel like? And mind you, I'm covered up. I, I came, I came, I came, came correct. I was ready. Yeah. And it was, I was free. I was like, dude, this is cold. Like I was, I was cold. I had like four layers on, you know, plus a jacket. And the guy that picks me up, the promoter, this dude is wearing like a polo button shirt, <laughs> shorts, and sandals. 
And I'm like, yo, I'm like, you're not cold. He's like, cold? He's like, nah, when it gets to like minus 19, minus 20, that's where it gets fun. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. A shout out to that guy. He was like half man, half polar bear. I don't know what was going on. Like, yeah, that was, that was cold. <laughs> That's so funny. Polar bear. Uh, um, you want to start out with some some music questions? Yeah, we can get rolling with some music. We got this great video. I think uh, you'll love it. Slash, find it horrifying. Um, <laughs> we're gonna play it real quick, and here we go. Hey, this is the king of pop. Michael Jackson. Drew and Fuse, let's talk questions. In fact, let's do some rapid fire. Now, I know these rapid fires aren't always so rapid fire, and that is okay by me. I got nothing but time. Now, let's look at the man in the mirror and get started. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Shout out from the king of pop. Yo, you guys are onto something, man. Uh, that 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 intro was uh, that intro you guys had for the show was pretty special. I don't think I've ever caught the the full intro. That was like Nickelodeon level type stuff. The Drew and Fuse show it was really catchy. That was a catchy jam. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Just trying to keep it fun. I mean, sometimes these can we're all talking stuff, but it's good to break it up and just you know keep the keep the humor going. Yeah, keep it lighthearted. Yeah, for sure. So. One of the things uh, we like to ask everybody when they come on is, um, you know, if you had a theme song, what would your theme song be? You know, if you walk into the grocery store, what would play? Oh, like uh, as a per uh, personal preference, you mean? Personal the theme, theme song? song. Yeah, it follows you everywhere you go. Oh, man. That's a tough one to answer. Yeah, just <laughs> as like I get I get asked questions, and I'm sure you ask, uh, you guys talk to DJs, obviously, but like I, every time I get asked a, a music question about, a favorite song or a favorite group like it's it's really tough because uh i've been surrounded by music my whole life so i would say to answer your question that theme song pretty much changes day to day depending on what's going on in my life um and what kind of mood i'm in uh for or you know uh, what kind of music i i feel like listening to so it could be anything from you know um kind of like a fun light-hearted you know um 80s Kind of inspired song like your guys's you know theme song it could be like something a little more melodic or or darker like a you know um classic like alternative or new wave um i've always been a big fan of electronic music um so it, it could change like you know just uh, from day to day again depending on my mood and just you know what's going on um in, in my life personally so i know that's a broad answer probably not the answer you're looking for but that's the <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind so I put my apologies to the king of pop if that wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think all DJs, we're all, you know, someone was trying to ask me the other day, I was trying to book a wedding and they were asking me, what's your favorite type of music to play? And, you know, I, I don't know if I have that answer anymore. It's just whoever's dancing. If they're dancing, then I like mm. that kind of music, you know? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I, I can play anything. You can skew any way and, you know, you have all the bangers for each one. So as long as people are having fun, then it doesn't really matter to me anymore. Agreed. Great. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. And then they go, well, what do you like to listen to when you're in the car? And then I'm like, well, actually, it's either nothing or nothing that I'm going to DJ. So the, right, the answer right. still doesn't help you. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I, um, we celebrated uh, our 16 uh, year wedding anniversary uh, earlier in December. And so we actually 
took a, like a three-day getaway. We drove out to Vegas. We went and saw a Depeche Mode at the T-Mobile uh-huh. um, Center. Yeah. But we, we drove out there, just her and I, and the whole way out there, um, we were just listening to jazz music, um, which is like, uh, you know, something that I, 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 I like, you know, I don't have a huge jazz collection, but um, I think she was pretty surprised. But yeah, that was kind of like a, a rare listen for me. It just felt like uh, just, you know, you're taking a nice, like, you know, easy cruise, like down the highway uh, as jazz yeah. just uh, just felt right. But yeah, no, it's kind of to your point, Drew, just like, you know whatever you're kind of in the mood for. And, and like you said, Fuse, that changes. For me, sometimes too, like I'll jump in the car with like my wife and kids and uh, daddy, can we have some music? And like, they know because like I, I spend so much time in the studio, like as I'm sure you guys do, like listening to music, preparing music, recording yeah. music, you know, ripping vinyl, um, you know, digging for music um, that sometimes my ears are just burnt and I don't want to listen to anything. Like, so, and then a lot of times when I do, um, if it's not music, it's it's a podcast, you know, I'll just throw on a podcast, um, um, anything and everything just to, again, just get, kind of give my ears a, a rest from, you know, uh, from the drums and and music, musicality and everything. So, right. Yeah. So the other question we like to ask, which this will probably be hard and we'll just get it out of the way, is if, if you had to name uh, a top five most played tracks of all time that you've personally DJed or played out, what would they be? Oh, for, for a live audience, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you had to pick five songs that you played the most or have played the most. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> We're putting them on the spot for some of these. Right, <laughs> right. That's another tough one to answer, too, because I've done, like, so many different styles of, of gigs. Um, so, like, I cut my teeth on, like, house parties in, like, the 80s, late 80s and early 90s. So, back then, the sound was... Um, like freestyle out here on the West Coast and, you know, in, in Southern California, it was um, freestyle, alternative, um, hip hop, a little bit of pop. Um, so, God, so many. Um, so I guess uh, the first one that would come to mind would be like, um, like a Nocera, Summertime, Summertime was a big record out here. Um, Stevie B, like, you know, that, that kind of music. Um, and then in the 90s, uh, when I started like competing and I connected with my crew, the Beat Junkies, that was kind of like, I call it the second wave of hip hop. People call it like the golden era, 90s hip hop, boom bap. But that was a huge sound out here. Uh, there was a legendary record store, Fat Beats, um, that opened in, I think it was 95 or 96. But this is kind of like the era where you saw um, the rise of um, independent hip hop. So record labels like Rockus stones throw um you know and a host of other like indie labels that were um releasing like all these independent hip-hop artists so that was kind of the music that i was playing out so you know everything from most deaf to you know um gangstar to you know wu-tang clan um these are the kind of records that the parties that i was doing like me and my crew were doing like in the 90s um those that was kind of like the popular sound for the gigs that we were doing back then and then fast forward to um, and all the while, like through from like 95 to like 2007, I was doing radio out here in Los Angeles. So I always kind of had like my hands kind of dipped in that world too, where I was playing like the hits. But again, like back then you're talking about Notorious B.I.G., Tupac, um, Aaliyah, SWV, you know, so hip hop and R&B. And then I was also like, you know, like I said, kind of like I had that other crate of like independent hip hop going on. And then fast forward to like the mid 2000s when I got into the Vegas nightlife um, scene, that was when, um, you know, I started like, that was kind of like my first time like 
really like um, experiencing DJing like in big rooms. So the sound was different. It was more like kind of commercial, you know, but it was commercial like across like different genres. So um, in 2005, six, seven, like the throwbacks were like 80s music. So like 80s rock um, was a big deal. Um, but then you also had records like, um, like that were produced by like Timberland, you know what I mean? So like Nelly Furtado, you know, Justin Timberlake. Um, what was the big one you had? Um, the Way I Are, that was Which huge. Is, like I remember playing that one a lot. Um, it's so funny that song, That Way I oh, Are yeah. is like, has like now not transferred over to how big it was back then. Now it's not, not even, like Promiscuous Girl I would say is probably a bigger throwback than that one. Really? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. interesting. Huh. Where are kind of flops, right? Cause, really? Because I oh, that's interesting to hear you say that because I don't, I don't, I kind of retired from the you know the big room scene, um, and I DJ kind of selectively now. But I've done a couple of, um, I guess you would call them like lounges, like bars, lounges. So I recently did one. Um, it wasn't even that recent. This was summertime, so like August. Um, but it was just a, it was a Sunday kind of. Uh, you know, just Sunday cool out uh, from like noon to, supposed to be noon to three, ended up being like noon to five. And it was real cool. It was um, just uh, basically like a group of like uh, grown folks, like, you know, 35 plus coming in on Sunday, watching football, having some cocktails, appetizers, perfectly content to just chill at the bar with their friends or parties. And I'm just playing background music, which I love because, you know, it really like opens up the range, like for you as a DJ. No dance floor pressure. So I was just playing, like, basically stuff I wanted to hear, right? And, you know, people were enjoying it. And then out of nowhere, like, literally as I'm about to wrap it up, um, unbeknownst to me, I guess there's this thing. This is down in the Long Beach area. So there's this thing called the Long Beach Party Bus that basically, I guess, you buy a ticket for this party bus, and it basically takes you bar hopping to, like, three or four different spots. So out of nowhere, like 50 people walk in, like just loud, just like cheering, making noise. I'm like, what is this? They immediately come and just kind of create this dance floor, like in front of the, the DJ booth where I'm DJing. And they start dancing to whatever I was playing. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm like, all right, let's go there for like, you know, 20, 30 minutes and just see what happens, right? This will be fun. So one of the records I played was Way I Are, and they went nuts. I was like, it still works. <laughs> And, I, and it's funny because when I got to that that pocket, because that's like what, like 114, 115 BPM. Yeah. I typed in Timberland. I was like, oh, let's play a couple Timberland joints, right? And like, obviously everything comes up. Promiscuous Girl came up, right? It was, they were like right next to each other, I want to say. And I literally like took like four or five seconds to like decide. I was like, nah, way I are. I'm doing that one. <laughs> I did that one and, and, it went, and it went off. So it's interesting to hear you say that. So uh, I'll have to remember that Promiscuous Girl next time that was a banger too though that was a huge record oh yeah yeah i remember yeah and sexy back was huge too that, that oh. hit or miss that's hit or miss i mean that was the one really? uh, wouldn't you say fuse pretty hit or yeah. miss yeah I, I i feel like more often than not i if i see that song i'm like nah <laughs> yeah that was right when i started in vegas that's what like 2006 or seven yeah so it's yep, right there that was a that sound Oh, that yeah. sound was just so cool, though, at the time, too. Like, I just yeah. remember hearing Timbaland. You could tell, like, you didn't even have to know Timbaland was on it, but you could be like, oh, that's a Timbaland beat. Like, yeah. You yeah, would just no. know. 100%. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the his drums, too, like, his programming, like, um, yeah, the instruments, all of his sounds that he used, like, yeah, there was no mistaking it was a Timbaland track. Yeah, for sure.
sure. That's interesting. So those are kind of stale now, huh? I, promiscuous girl, I play all the time. Uh, yeah, that one like. works for some reason more than the other two. And I, I feel I, like it's the more corny record of like of 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 them, you know. Hmm. And I think, I, but I'm I also feel like, and we talked about this. We talk about this a lot. Uh, like what used to be like cool, like in the bars and clubs, it, it's not. Like that's all out the window, and now like it's cool to be mm. uncool, you know. Where it's like, right, right, right. You know, it's like all the stuff that used to be kind of like cheesy and dumb that you'd be like, I'm gonna stay away from that. Like now, mm. it's all the like the fun stuff that people are like like to get down to. Right, right. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. <clears throat> um. Well, you mentioned you kind of touched on you're starting in with uh radio in the 90s and you know i just wanted to go back to that for sure. a little bit um i mean growing up in la i definitely had <laughs> i definitely listened to you and you know probably got a lot of my original oh. chops i, I kind of grew up as a, a you know a punk rock kid so when i w started djing and got into uh hip-hop or just you know djing in general i would listen to you and all the beat junkies really and just take notes like okay this is this is a good track this is something that i like or this has a good beat or whatever so um yeah maybe just right, thanks, uh, touching on that early days of you guys didn't have as much uh restriction as they do now right you could kind of run your own format Yes and no. Um, so obviously there there was a, there was always a format. Um, and again, me, I had, I had prior to you know 1995, I had zero radio experience. And again, I'm coming up in a world where, like I said, um, this is where you know from '93 to like '98, this is like uh, me and the Beat Junkies. We were we had our heads down in um, competitive DJing, right? So we're competing in like the DMCs and ITF contests, all like, you know, um, all of the uh, kind of, I guess, uh, more world-renowned um, competitions for DJs. And so um, with that being our mindset, um, we were just focused daily on just making routines out of, you know, classic hip-hop records, um, you know, um, DJ tool records like Battle Break records and whatever records are coming out of Fat Beats. So at the same time, um, in not around 95, this is kind of when um, Julio G, Tony G um, kind of uh, brought me into, into radio out here at 92.3 The Beat. So <laughs> my first thought, um, and again, this is, again, this is obviously pre-Serato. Again, this is, you know, playing, playing records, right? Um, this is no digital, no iPods, none of that existed. And so really all any of us had um, as our resources to listen to music was our personal record collection of records, tapes, CDs, and the radio, right? And so, um, you know, my first thought was um, when I was um, hired uh, as an official mix show DJ on the radio, I was super excited, like over the moon. I just felt like I finally made it, um, you know, something I could share with my folks and um you know that's another story but um you know i felt like this is something where i could show my parents like wow i actually got like a real job i can like earn money and kind of provide for myself like as a as a dj right this is like uh, i tell people like that's the year i really consider um that the year that i became a professional dj because i was earning a living as a dj so my first thought was 
cool. I can like do all like my illest routines. I can play all these records on fat beats. I'm on the radio. I can't wait. Let's go. Right. And so um, I walk into the radio station and my first night, I want to say my first song might have been like Far Side Passing Me By, right? Which is, you know, big record, LA hip hop, obviously a classic, right? But again, this is a record now that's like probably four years old at the time. I think that came out around 92. And this is like 96, right? I'm on the radio. And so I do my mix and I, don't, I couldn't even tell you, I think another record that I might've played might've been De La Soul, Plug Tune In. And I think my set was about 26 minutes, 28 minutes, right? And so I do my, my first set and uh, <laughs> right away, like my program director, um, she comes in and she's like, uh, hey, Melo, great mix. She's like, uh, when you have a second, come into the office, right? So basically, long story short, she quickly kind of had to like reel me back in. And that's when she <laughs> kind of like started to school me about radio programming. She's like, that's great. She's like, those are great records. You know, like I understand. She's like, I know Beat Junkies, but it's like, also you have to consider that, you know, you have a million plus people listening to you. You know, you're on a major radio. So I'm like, oh, okay. So um, true story, uh, for probably the first two and a half, maybe three months, um, she, because I did this, I tried to pull a fast one a couple more times where I'd, I would sneak in probably a couple more records than I was probably supposed to. So it got to a point where she was like, okay, she's like, we're going to have to work together here. This was basically her getting frustrated with me. And so I would have to basically write down like all the songs I was going to play in my mix, like the 10, 11, or 12 records and hand yeah. it to her before I would go on the air oh. so she could look at it, right? She was super cool, though. Shout out to Mariama Snyder. She was she was the best. She was trying to work with me, and she understood kind of where I was coming from. She knew that I was a little green coming in, you know what I mean? But she knew that the kind of the caliber of DJ that I was, right? So she just kind of had to kind of just kind of like mold me into, you know, a radio DJ. So we did that for like two and a half, three months. And finally, like after a while, it clicked. I was like, okay, I get it. But to answer your question, yes, like she was more than fair. Um, so the rule basically came down to play, um, you know, start your mix with the song that the audience is going to know. You want to squeeze something in after that, go for it. But then you got to come back out and protect the record with another hit, which would be like, I guess, like an A, a record or maybe even a, a B record or a new record that was starting to get some momentum, you know, like across the country um, on urban radio. So that was kind of the rule of thumb. But but through that system, um, yes, I was able to break um, a lot of records. Um, and it's funny because this many years later, when I talked to, you know, DJs, I'm out and about or whatever, and I'm having a conversation with another DJ that grew up around here or that, you know, heard me on the radio, they don't remember me playing the hits. They remember me playing the records I was taking a chance on, yeah. um, whether that was an R&B record or like I would play some of those indie hip hop records from Fat Beats. I would play Most Def. If Farsight had a new record, if I got a white label from another record, like Grand Poobah record, I would play it. You know what I mean? But again, I would always kind of be mindful of that kind of rule of thumb, which is to kind of like sandwich the records or protect the records. So a hit record, then you know what I mean? Maybe like a, a record that I liked and then, you know, one for them and then one for me. So that was kind of the rule of thumb. But um, but yeah, that was kind of, um, um, I was very fortunate to be a part of the radio industry because I feel like that's, that format, we might not ever see it again as far as like, you know, radio format. Um, the radio DJs that um, I know that still work on radio. Um, when I talk to them, it's just, um, it's changed so much. And I feel like for lack of a better term, uh, radio DJs, at least out here in LA, they're, 
super handcuffed. Um, they don't really have that kind of flexibility or freedom to go out and even try and break records or, you know, um, maybe like, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of flex their, their particular preference or like, you know, be tastemakers, if you will, when it comes to like DJing and mixing. So I was, so yeah. I was listening to, uh, I was watching you on Twitch, uh, during the pandemic. And one of the stories you told was about, um, Cody Chestnut bringing in the seed to the, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I, I was like, I always loved that record. And when you told the story, I was like, uh, kind of blown away. It was just like such a dope story. Yeah, I have. Uh, it. I can hear you guys all on shirt. A little show and tell here. It's the holidays. Why not? <laughs> Hold on. It's over here. Yeah. So um, he went by, uh, yeah, Cody Chestnut. And um, it's crazy because this guy, he... And Julio, he used to um, he used to do that. Like if he, him having um, kind of a big voice um, in the '90s, you know, a lot of record labels, a lot of artists, um, and myself too. Not so much me, more so Julio, because he was the on-air personality. He really had a lot more um, airtime um, than I. I had like a one-hour slot, and he had the other three, right? And so, um, anyhow, this artist, um, Cody Chestnut comes to the station and um, people used to do this all the time. They would come and bring us records or if we were on the air, they would just leave them outside the studio with a note or a CD or whatever, or they would drop them off at Mariama's office, the program director, you know, and she would walk them into us. And so this guy was just relentless, man. Like he would come up, he left the records. And then like, uh, you know, if he didn't hear his record on the air the next day, he would come back, you know what I mean? Knocking again. So finally he catches us. He waits downstairs in the parking lot. Um, after the show <laughs> comes up, introduces himself. He's like, Hey, what's up? I'm Cody. So, um, so finally we hadn't listened to the music. So, uh, finally Julio's like, yeah, 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 man. What's up, man. Good to meet you. And so I'll never forget. We sit in Julio's truck and Cody brings us a CD and we listen to the whole EP and we're like, yo, this is, this is pretty dope, man. Like there's a couple of, a couple of bangers on here. And so the very next night, um, we started playing it. And so this is, um, this is the test pressing, but uh, this is the original copy. So if you guys, uh, all you listeners out there, it's um, this later became uh, in the seed, which is uh, probably the biggest record off of this EP. Um, he, um, I don't know the story behind it, but he collaborated with um, the Roots, and um, that's the version that um, you know that we we all celebrate today is um, the this was it the seed two point yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And on here, it's um, it's called. It's called the seed rock and roll. So yeah, yeah. that's why all the 2.0. So that's kind of like the yeah, the revised version, like with the yeah. roots. So but yeah, this is this is the joint right here, and I, I still have it. But there was a there was a couple other um couple of other really dope uh dope songs on this on the CP. So I'm I'm glad I kept it. But um but yeah, no, I'll never forget that. And then we he he would actually come up and just hang out with us like for like a month straight. He would come every night and just you know, he would sit in the parking lot. You know, just listen to the show, and we would link up with them downstairs afterwards. And uh, yeah, we would kick it a couple times. He would step out, but he, yeah, shout out to Cody, man. He was always a cool brother, man, for sure. You found that record pretty quick. How how do you keep the your vinyl organized back there in any specific way? Oh yeah, so there it's all. Um, I know you guys can't see the whole wall, but um, so I have it um, organized by genre, and then um, it's all um, alphabetized uh, by artist uh, by last name. So um, so this is um. Up here is kind of like uh, 80s and a little bit of 80s and 90s R&B um, all the way down. And then down here 
off camera, I have two shelves of like reggae and dub dance hall. And then from here, mm, these three columns are all 80s and 90s hip hop. And then I have two more columns over there that I don't think you guys can see that are like um, kind of like 80s funk, um, 70s soul, R&B. And then I have like, I don't know, probably a dozen crates or so, dozen or 14 crates of 45s also alphabetized by genre. Um, I'm sorry, alphabetized by um, artist, uh, last name, organized by genre. And then on this table, my DJ table all the way around, it's a 12-foot table. I have more records. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but um, it took me probably a good two, two and a half months um, just to, like, you know, put my library together. And I have two other storages out here in Southern California with just uh, more records and just stuff and, like, you know, just, you know, promotional things I used to get from, like, my radio days and, um, you know, just product and just, like, just stuff um yeah. but yeah these are these are kind of the records i'd say like in this room this is probably mm, just under half of my collection maybe around 40 percent of my collection um and mind you i've i've thinned it out a few times like over the years um this is uh this house that we live in now we moved in uh september of 2019 so just over four years ago but prior to that um i had probably gotten rid of like 11 or 12 crates of just things that I, you know, just old, like just promos, like stuff that never made it that I was just holding on to um, and just like gave them away and traded them in at, at Amoeba for store credit and stuff. Um, but yeah, this took me a, a lot, a lot of time to organize because I would have to make multiple trips of storage. You can only fit so many crates of records in a car, you know, yeah. um, and then I would bring them back here and then organize and then, you know, go make another run, bring back another nine, 10 crates and then have to, you know what I mean, organize and separate those. Right. Um, but I'm glad I did it because now I know where everything is. Like, you know, if I think of a song or if, um, you know, I'm streaming and someone asks about a record, like, oh, yeah, I have that. It's right over here. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you found awesome. that, that other one so fast. I was impressed. It was yeah. impressive. <laughs> now, Thanks. Serato, do you, within like Serato, do you do any, do you have any tips or anything that you do to, to organize um, music? On the last episode, we talked to, to Kevin and he had a couple interesting uh ways that he tagged music to kind of get to things quickly. I was just curious if you had any any tips like that as well. Yeah, I the only thing I really do, <laughs> it's funny, it's ironic. Uh, I'm actually way more organized with my vinyl than I am with Serato. <laughs> um but uh I, I think the, the one thing that's uh, kind of been one of my go-tos over the years is um I'll just uh, like I'll type something in the comments so that way like if um like something that I do like once or twice a year, like say, uh, like Halloween, right? Like every year, like uh, I love Halloween. I've always loved Halloween. Um, it's always been fun for me. So with live streaming, like I like to do a Halloween stream, but I like to get like really dark and spooky, right? So like I'll get like, uh, I have like, you know, some horror movie soundtracks and, you know, just kind of like eclectic stuff that I like to break out on Halloween. So when I record them digitally or whatever, I just, I'll just type Halloween or dark. I'll, it'll be, what is it? I think it's it's Halloween slash dark, like in the comments, <laughs> so that yeah. when like Halloween comes around, or if I want to do a set like that, I just type that, you know, in the search, and then all that stuff comes up. But that's probably the only thing. Um, I never got into mixed in key, um, or um, I don't think I tag my records or my files, excuse me, um, any other way. Um, yeah, it's pretty much out of memory. But that's probably the only. The only really thing I do, I don't think that's anything special or unique. I feel like that's pretty common, you know, amongst DJs, but that's pretty much the only thing that I do in Serato. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask, because I, I always, I admire this, that 
you know, coming from your background of, you know, uh, being a beat junkie and then making kind of uh, a switch to the, the Vegas club scene and like in a, in that, you know, that era where that started becoming like big, how did you balance like being a beat junkie then versus like playing a more commercial set in a, a Vegas club? Cause I'm sure that there are people that, you know, know, Oh, this is a beat junkie. It's going to be like, this and then they show up and you're doing something else <laughs> oh my god yeah no it's a great question i'm laughing because uh there was a handful of nights where um you know i'm playing like a big room uh body english or like the last residence i had was with the uh, hawkison groups so i was doing uh omnia which is a uh, i was playing the oh, open yeah. format room but that's like 1200 people like it would get packed in there Right. Every now, every not every night or every weekend, but every now and again, there'd be literally out of the twelve hundred people, there'd be one guy, one guy that would come <laughs> up to the booth and he'd be there early. He'd be like first one there. Like I hadn't even started my set yet. Like I'm just you know hanging out. <laughs> he'd come up to me, introduce himself, and I could tell by the way he's talking to me, like okay, this guy knows me from the battle days, right? I'd be like okay, cool. I start my set and then like, you know, you know, like you're DJing, you kind of just eyeball the room every couple records or whatever, you know, and then like out of my peripheral vision, I'd see this guy like he'd be. So there's just always this like every now and then he'd be this one dude. I feel so bad. Like he would just like hang tough for like two hours just waiting for me to do sucker MCs or like something like, like, no, nah, man, that's like, like, it's not the pocket here tonight. You know what I mean? And like, uh, but they, you know, I can tell like sometimes they'd be. A little disappointed because they wanted me there, or they almost expected me, or just hoping that I would do something, and I and I wouldn't. Maybe I'd scratch like a little bit, but um, you guys know like that, like you know when you're doing like big rooms and stuff like that, it's more about just like kind of keeping the music moving, keeping the energy up, you know, and keep keeping the audience interested. But um, but yeah, every now and again I would get I would get people like that. Um, but to answer the first part of your question, um, yeah, that was a big uh, there was a big learning curve for me. Um, because again, coming from, you know, the competition world, uh, doing radio. And then now I had done clubs and done gigs, but again, like the, the kind of gigs that I was doing, um, there was nothing like it, um, playing for like 800 plus people, you know what I mean? And then the format was different for me too. So again, that kind of took me a while to get comfortable. Obviously I had to kind of like brush up on my music. Um, I would go out a lot. I would listen to other DJs on um, my first Vegas residency at Body English. I would come in on the off nights. I would listen to, you know, AM. I would listen to Vice. I would listen to Five. Um, you know what I mean? And kind of like, oh, okay. Like I kind of see like you got to keep it like really commercial. But you can also like, you know, you can go off on these tangents. You can play like other things like, you know what I mean? And get creative with it and bring in these other records. You know what I mean? To kind of like surprise or wow your audience. And then, um, you know, kind of reel it back in. So, um I kind of like, you know, just kind of learn the ropes that way. And then my approach, I feel like, um, became taking all the technical ability, like all of my technical study, and then like kind of applying that to said format, right? To like kind of like that open format. So um, I know AM was really like, um, he obviously was kind of pioneered like that mashup style. And my style was like taking um, like this little sampler, right? That um, I don't know if you guys can see it, but this is a Roland 303. And this is oh, yeah. um, something that we used to use on um, the Beat Junkies back in the day where we would have like, you know, and before there was a sampler in the mixer, but we would have like our DJ name, sound effects. So I, I was the first guy to bring this out to Vegas, like to kind of add some fluff, you know what I mean? Um, some more flavor to, to the live mix. Um, so that was one thing that I did. There was another um, 
uh, piece of gear that Pioneer uh, made called the Pioneer FX 500, which was basically, I don't have it in the studio, um, it's in the other room, but it was basically a box about this big, and it was basically like um, an echo and delay machine. So I brought that out to Vegas and I would, you know, I had that, you know, that, that lived that body English also. So I would, you know, kind of bring the tools and, um, you know, uh, that I was using and combine those with kind of, like I said, kind of my technical ability, um, all the techniques and things that, that I had studied, that I had learned. And, um, you know, after I got comfortable with the format, I would kind of like bridge those two worlds together. And I felt like that was kind of what defined me um, or defined my sound, should I say, like in the big room. But that took a while. That took probably like a good probably a year looking back you know um just to really get comfortable and um yeah i gotta um i gotta shout out um the family over at body english dig doug um andy hirsch um, the whole team out there uh for just like you know what i mean just kind of like being patient with me like while i was kind of like learning the ropes and things but once i got the hang of it like it, it was on you know and it was it was a lot of fun i actually uh, looking back i miss it sometimes you know what i mean um i miss kind of like being in those those big rooms and like you guys know how it is like you play a record or you just you know you play something that just really goes off and you have like the crowd just like, you know what I mean? Kind of like in your hands, so to speak. You know what I mean? You can kind of like take them anywhere. Like there's really no feeling like that for uh, for, for a DJ. So, um, so yeah. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but. No, no it's, it's what everyone wants to hear. I, I love it. And uh, a re reoccurring thing is, you know, everyone respected you so much from the battle days and all of the stuff and would just put you on and then you would have to learn the format. Uh, so the music always was just like, oh, he he's good enough. It doesn't matter. And then that knowledge of just researching all the music always had to come afterwards. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was the same thing, like, uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about with radio. Um, I think the, the reason that the music director... Um, uh, was so patient with me was because she knew that I had the technical ability, right? It was just a matter of just kind of getting comfortable with the format. So again, like um, she was, you know, willing to work with me. And I feel like same thing in Vegas, you know what I mean? Um, Andy Hirsch and, and Dig Dug. I had like many like long talks with Dig Dug. And um, again, I, I studied, you know, I've always, that's always kind of been my approach. And I feel like that comes from my upbringing. Um, throughout high school, I was, um, I went to a magnet school and I took like a lot of um, like AP classes, you know, and then I went straight from, you know, this high school, um, Whitney High School in Cerritos to UC Irvine, you know, graduated. And um, my my approach to DJing, and this didn't dawn on me until years later, I think was um, really influenced by my um, my study ethics. You know, I was always like a really big bookworm in high school. If there was like a science test or anything coming up where you had to like memorize like you know bull terms and definitions like i would just read it reread it reread it until like you know i knew it like the back of my hand and so same thing with djing i feel like that um you know that kind of approach carried over into my my djing so same thing like when i started the radio when i started like big room djing i just i studied the game like as tough as i could and just try to soak up every ounce of knowledge and game that i could um so that because i knew that it was going to better me and better that improved the way that I that I sounded to my audience. So and there there um, wasn't all these pre-made sets or pre-made playlists like Spotify or um, you know, we you go know. on nowadays just digging. You have to the kind of research you're doing is almost, oh, I gotta recognize uh this record label or this producer or you know, it's mm -hmm. it's a way more in-depth version. But that's why I would guess your knowledge on all your records up here is probably like, oh, this guy did this and this guy did this, like it's way more vast than anything you're going to grab from a playlist. No, absolutely. And there's so much, um, I feel like people, 
you know, I understand like, you know, records, they take up space. Um, you know, it's older technology, obviously, like they don't always sound great on a big system. You have to make adjustments with the EQs and stuff to get feedback. But there's so much knowledge to be gained um, from having like a, a record collection, no matter what kind of music you're into. I mean, you could pull out like any album, whether it's a, an R&B record, a funk record, a rock record a hip hop record, you know, and there's like inserts and you can read the credits and the producers and like who, you know, some of the songwriters were, um, the lyrics, obviously, like some albums, I'm sure you guys have a couple of records, like they would have like, they would pull out like an insert and it would have the lyrics to every song on the album. Like you could learn the song. Um, and then beyond that, the actual record um, itself, um, they would have things like, this is a Madonna 12 inch. Um, I was recording earlier. This is um, Keep It Together. This is a 12 inch. But it's got like a bonus beats. It's got a dub version. Um, the bonus beats, right. uh, uh, rest in peace, Mark the 45 King. I mean, it's just like that may or may not be out there digitally, but there's, I feel like there's a lot of like, you know, um, great music like on 12 inches um, that you just, it's not out there. Not everything's out there. You can find like most everything I feel like, like digitally, but there's like a good handful of stuff that you're just like, you're just not going to get, you know? <laughs> so um, records are still like really important to me. And I've, I've actually been like on a huge like, record bender like the last like three months i've been like record shopping like every two weeks like it's pretty oh. pretty, pretty I, crazy I, I just set up my turntables in the living room and i've been really uh i bought my my daughter a couple records and so we'll just sit in the living room and just kind of go through so, vinyl and listen to it um we were driving yesterday and you mentioned most deaf and i just kind of mm. tagged this but he um <clears throat> there's a new i think it's uh drake and 21 savage they sampled uh, miss fat booty oh i haven't heard it no and, and then there's also a house song that sampled that too and so mm. you know when we're driving and she's pu putting these things on i try and i've been trying to go hey but this came from this put this on you know and then right. have her recognize the samples and go back and forth so yeah. I'm still trying to teach her little things like as much as I can. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, and, I, and I'll hear stuff from time to time um, that obviously like, you know, uh, either sampled something from a decade of the past or you can hear clearly that was inspired by like another record from, right. you know, a different era, uh, which I think is cool. You know what I mean? Um, because a lot of times it will lead the younger generation or if there's someone like in their corner that can kind of educate them and say like 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 you you know what i mean like with your daughter like hey by the way the so that yeah. song that you like is actually like sampled this song from like 97 you know right um, yeah I, I was right. like hey put this song on in front of your aunt or your your mom and, and see what they do and so so she she made like a little note so when she's like playing dj in the car she's gonna throw it on so yeah, cool? yeah 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 teach them yeah, no, totally. Um, my son, I have three kids. My son, um, he just uh, celebrated his 14th birthday uh, in November. <clears throat> and one of the things he wanted to do, he's 14 now. So um, I got him into, I grew up out here in SoCal. So I was always into going to like uh, Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags Magic Mountain. I'm like a huge, I've always been like a huge coaster enthusiast. So I got him into coasters. So for his 14th birthday, he wanted to um, go out to Valencia, Six Flags Magic Mountain, ride all these, you know, big coasters with his friends. So I was like, all right, I'll take, I'll take you and the boys out there. So from where we live, it's, you know, traffic. It's about an hour and a half drive, right? So the whole yeah. way out there, um, you know, gave him the aux cord or he connected his phone to the Bluetooth. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm driving them, you know what I mean? And they're all taking turns picking songs. And the whole way out there, all they were listening to was 80s heavy metal. So like, you know, <laughs> Guns and, yeah, Guns and Roses. Um, just uh, what else were they listening to? Um, 
oh my god, Gun Megadeth, um, just all these like '80s like heavy metal bands. And I knew that my son, <laughs> yeah, I knew that my son was into heavy metal, um, and so and, and all of his friends like they would just take turns calling out songs. So that was the way up there, right? And then you know I drop him off at the park, and I have a couple friends that live in the area, so I dilly dallied around you know Magic Mountain for the day. Park yeah. closes, I go back to pick him up. Uh, we stop at uh, what's that? Panda Express because they're all hungry. Get some food, and now I have to drive um, all of his buddies back back home, right? And they live like pretty far south, like in Orange County. So we were going to be on the road for a while. The whole way back home, it was all West Coast gangster rap and hip hop, and so <laughs> they took turns. Same thing. And then one of his one of his friends, um, so they were listening to everything from like you know Dre and Snoop to N.W.A. Kendrick Lamar. And then one of his friends was like, hey, Maddox, my son's name is Maddox. Like, hey, Maddox, um, I got next. Throw on some MF Doom. I'm like, what? I was like, these are 14-year-old kids. I'm like, Farah, you like MF Doom? He's like, yes, sir. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm impressed. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool, though, Like, uh, kind of like to touch on what you're saying, Drew. Like, you know, um, I feel like uh, kids, the way they discover music now it's kind of cool that it's so everything's out there you know what i mean um so they can uh, discover new music you know old music everything in between it's great dude my kid put on mf doom the other day too and i just about lost my show I was like where did you find this you know yeah, yeah and so yeah. i don't know what's going on now i'm curious like what kind of cultural reference that is from a movie or or something because that's that's a deep cut yeah yeah i feel like everything too like with digital technology now like um you know, everything's kind of like one degree of separation away, right? I mean, if you go on YouTube and you you type in, um, you know, Culture Club, you know what I mean? Like, and you listen to that song, you know, YouTube, it'll, you might also like, you know, so maybe it's something right. like that. Like, so it could be, you know what I mean? Maybe that's how they're discovering music. I don't know. Um, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised too. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and these and all these kids, you know what I mean? So uh, I think that's cool though, like that, you know, that there's music out there like that that's kind of like, you know, um, paying homage to, you know, some classic material from like the 90s or, you know, late 80s, early 2000s, whatever it is. And um, it's leading kids back to kind of that era as well. You know what I mean? Because all that stuff is is timeless. It's it's uh, it still sounds good in, in 2023. Well, because all the new stuff is so throwaway. So, you know, a lot of this stuff was, uh, you know, just had more legs to grow on and is a little bit more tried and true tested. Yeah, it's gonna come absolutely. Up. Yeah, and that's that's kind of you just touched on something. Um, that's kind of the reason I stopped. Um, I kind of walked away from uh, from big room DJing. I just uh, I feel like I just kind of outgrew the music, and it was just you guys know it just comes at you so fast, and I just feel like shelf life now is just it's so short. It's almost sad because um, you know going back to like the '90s, um, you know a big artist like uh, Eminem or Mariah Carey put out a new would put out a new album. It would be promoted and anticipated for like weeks and then finally like week one you would hear like eminem's album sold 1.5 million records you know and counting like and this album like would last for like you know the label would release singles every like six weeks eight weeks or sometimes you know every three months you know what i mean this album would like last for like a year and now it's like some of the biggest artists you know like uh beyonce right or kendrick lamar like um they you know, same thing there's all this like social media hype about the new album the new album the new album the album comes out it's talked about literally on the feed for like 48 hours and then you just 
don't hear about it anymore. <laughs> it's like, like that though it's at sad, the bar man. too. Like, it's it's like the new Nicki Minaj album that has like all these crazy samples too. Like I played the new mm -hmm. one that samples like Cindy Lauper because I was like, oh, this is all over TikTok. And there's the other one that samples um, Junior Senior. And like yeah. I played them both at the at this past weekend. And when I played them uh -huh. both, people were like, you know, like what the fuck is this? Like, wow. <laughs> you know, like you know, and I'm like, this is new, and they're both like iconic samples and i just feel like nobody cared are those are those popular singles right now i'm like i'm out of it man i'm just like I, the, I no that idea. album just dropped and like both of those songs are like big on tiktok oh okay i see so, so they I should like i felt like uh, with the samples i was like oh these are gonna be like cool new songs but no not really but like huh. the new jack harlow i felt like that was like the same way it was like a big sample and like big on TikTok and it hits like when you play it out. But like those two didn't hit at all. Huh, that's weird. I feel like, a, well, I've, I've talked to some other DJs too that um, they still go out and do clubs. And um, a couple of guys were telling me that um, they feel like the the new music, it takes longer to kind of catch catch momentum now. It's not like the album comes out and then like literally that week or, you know, within a reasonable time frame, right. like the records are big. Like for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe you guys can speak on it. Like it just, we, Drew and it I talk about it all time. the time. We we will be, we'll be like we'll play it like the first week it comes out, and we'll be like, oh, it didn't hit. And then some you'll see somebody playing it out like two months later, and you're like, oh, this hits. I I thought it was oh. a flop. Oh. <laughs> what? Why is that? You guys think? Well, well I was that? gonna say that that new Nikki. Um, I was playing the day it came out on a Friday, and a girl came up and she's like, hey, can you play the new Nikki album? I'm going, when did it come out? Today? And I'm like, I don't have it. <laughs> you know, I didn't download it. Just came out today. Like, I wouldn't even expect to play it. You yeah. know? It, it's going to take, huh. take some time. But huh. I, Why do you guys think that is? Why do you guys think there's this kind of, like, uh, delayed fuse? No pun intended. I, I don't think people are listening to, like, the radio where it, like, is forcing it down their throat as much, you know? Oh, so, like, right. it's really got to be organically you're, like, hearing it over and over whether you know you're scrolling your tiktok feed and you hear the song over and over and over or you know it takes time to where that song mm. is even like blowing up somewhere else or it gets used in an ad or a movie or something to so, right. so spotify is doing a new thing that they just announced that is probably going to start trickling in next year but they're going to have a tiktok style feed of all the new songs so you could tiktok style go through the charts basically Oh, I see. Uh, Whatever's popular seconds. on TikTok? Whatever's popular uh, on TikTok, they'll no, have just like It'll have all sections. So um, if the, you can check out new releases, and it'll be 15-second oh, snippets that you can kind of just click through real quick. I see. Like previews, to, right, right? Yeah, they're trying to like kind of mm. gamify it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. It's weird. I guess, yeah, maybe, yeah, that, that is weird. Like, I guess maybe you'd, you'd have to be a fan of that artist, right? Like, like to be like Nicki Minaj, like you'd have to be a Nicki Minaj fan. Like, oh, her album's coming out cool, but maybe like people just aren't, they don't keep up with artists or album releases like that anymore. Like, yeah, because she's, yeah, she's, I, I would, I would consider her one of the bigger pop artists. Oh, yeah. You know? uh, right? Like, you oh, know, today, that's, yeah. definitely. Hmm, that's crazy. I, but like, it is weird. Like, you were mentioning, like, even that Drake album, like the last one that dropped, like, uh, like, the song that I play is like rich baby daddy. And, you know, if I played that the first week, week it came out, there was so much hype for that album. It was mm -hmm. like, nobody, nobody cared. But now right. a, 
uh, you know, later it's like it gets a reaction when I play it, you know? Huh. Yeah, that's weird. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's another exactly that's another album. I forget when that came out, but I remember every time I, you know, open up Twitter or X or whatever, you know, Instagram, like just like just Drake, 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 Drake. Like, okay, I guess he's got a new album coming out. Album comes <laughs> out and like I would hear a snippet or two, and then that was it. Like two <laughs> days later, people were, you know, back to you know, taking pictures in front of their, you know, fancy car or whatever. Like, this, I don't know, man. It's weird. It is Just weird right now. Different, different, different day and age, though. Different world we live in now. And like, so. you yeah. were talking with Kevin on the last episode, like how songs, like when they first came out, like, 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 like Justin Bieber songs or like Taylor Swift songs, like we weren't touching those at all. But now here, like 10 years mm. later, it's like the biggest songs we play. Yeah, yeah, I remember that was uh I remember because I was uh, still DJing in Vegas and like uh Taylor Swift um she was still kind of like coming up, I guess, but she definitely had like a handful of hits um under her belt. Um but I remember um I want to say it was probably like Shake It Off was a was a big one and I always kind of like I don't know, man, <laughs> you know, like I don't know if I could I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And uh, I think I might have played it like once or twice, you know, just, you know, quick hitter style, you know, kind of in and out. Um, but now, like, yeah, obviously, she, she's like, you know, she's like a goddess. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, so and her, her, I actually like her music. My daughters, they're, they're Swifties, you know. So, right. um, so, yeah, like, we'll play some Taylor Swift from time to time. She's, uh, yeah, I, I, li I like her music. Like, you know what I mean? I just, uh, again, I don't DJ those kind of rooms anymore. So I don't really have a place for it. But I, I'm definitely not mad at it. You know? Right. Yeah. But I, I hear what you're saying. And then Justin Bieber. That was what was the the big um baby, baby. Luda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the same thing. I was like, oh man, this is for kindergartners, man. I'm not touching right, this. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. And now it's like it's huge. It's like, yeah, one of the biggest throwbacks like ever. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it's weird, huh? It's funny. Yeah. Uh one of the things Kevin wanted us to make sure we touched on was, you know, uh a lot of people think that, you know, beat junkies, you're obviously by now listening, they should know that you're not just into hip hop, but that you're big into 80s electro and alternative stuff. You wanna tell us uh some of your favorites from that era? Oh yeah, um totally. So again, uh I think um, you know, looking back, uh, that all kind of comes from growing up out here in Southern California. Um, but we had Again, growing up on different radio stations. So we had, um, so some of the radio stations I used to listen to, we had a couple really dope stations on AM radio. So there was a station, um, the Mighty 690. Again, this is AM radio. But Casey Kasem, rest in peace, uh, legendary um, radio jockey, um, he would do the Top 40 Countdown every Sunday um, from like 10 a.m. to like 2 p.m., and those were like the biggest pop records like in the country. So, you know, everything that was pop. So Madonna, Prince, um, Lionel Richie, Tears for Fears, you know what I mean? Anything that made the pop charts, like that's where you like kept up with, you know, the top 40 records. Then we had on AM radio, we had 1580 KDY. So that's when you guys hear about um, the KDY Mixmasters, which was like pretty much like the first, I want to say the world's first probably DJ crew. Um, and they pretty much shape the sound of mix show DJing like out here on the West Coast and probably like across the country. I know like, you know, um, respect to like Mr. Magic and, and Red Alert, they were kind of like the East Coast counterparts. So, um, but that was KDAY 1580 was where we would hear all the rap, all the hip hop. So this is like NWA, Ice-T, uh, Mixmaster Spade. Um, 
they would also play R&B records. Um, so like the beat goes on. Um, RJ's latest arrival, freestyle stuff, uh, Stevie B, Nocera. So that was where like I was exposed to all that music. And then we had on the alternative tip, there was a station out here. Um, I think it's still around called K Rock, K R O Q. And that station, their format was just strictly like you know um, alternative, new wave, um, a little bit of kind of uh, rock, I guess. You know what I mean? But that was like huge. Um, so like Depeche uh, Mode, The Cure, Depeche Mode, yeah, all all that stuff, like that whole that whole pocket. That was all K Rock. So that was where I discovered all of that music. So again, kind of like listening to these radio stations um and then like you just having like a handful of really really dope um record stores out here um a lot of um names that um you guys might know or your audience might so like warehouse records tower yeah. records um those were always dope stores like dope places to buy like 12 inches and albums and tapes but then we also had like a really good handful of mom and pops record stores um that i used to go um shop all around like every suburb like um, Cerritos, we had a Tempo Records, which is a super dope store. It was more of like a rock store. Um, Drew, you actually might have been into the store. They were, um, these guys were punk rockers. They were rock and rollers, but they were up on everything else. They always had yeah. like all the new hip hop, all the new R&B. They had like some bootleg like um, uh, cassettes, um, which I still have. Um, I went there, there or Ionic Records, <laughs> I used to go to. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Zeds, yeah. Zed's in Long Beach up by the Traffic Circle. Okay, so yeah, you know what's up. So like stores like that, right? Um, so anyways, that's kind of like uh, where I, I got all my inspiration to like, you know, just kind of collect um, and um, get into like all these different genres. But like, yeah, all those all those genres, um, uh, specifically um, alternative and new wave were, uh, were always a big inspiration to me. Uh, music that I always really, really loved. But because of the parties that I was doing back then, it was more about dance music. So really like the only records that would get played, like, as far as like out here would be like um Depeche Mode Strange Love. That was a big one. Um Blue Monday, um, New Order. Um, what else? Um, I remember like Sex Dwarf um playing yeah. that out a couple times. <laughs> um but you wouldn't hear a whole lot. There wasn't like right. a, a whole lot because it was more about kind of dance music, you know what I mean? Um OMD, uh maybe like uh Maybe like secret. Um, we played something. We played that once in a while. But there was again. There was like a very like select few records from like you know that that world that would like make it to like the DJ set like in the late '80s. As far as the parties that that I was doing, um, yeah. Because most of it was like like dance music. But uh, but again, like yeah, I grew up on on all that stuff, and I have a lot of those records here, and I still buy a lot of those records today. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but oh, I, no, I saw on one of your I saw on one of your Twitch streams. Uh, you had bought just uh you had got like all these seven inch seven inches of um old new wave stuff oh yeah, this yeah. Was, it was a while back it was like in the 2020 but yeah you're just burning through all those uh seven inches you got you were tagging them up and whatnot it's interesting yeah yeah no for sure there's um i bought those at um that's a store in fullerton um black hole records um it's right there near the train station but that's uh, that's another um dope kind of like yeah punk rock alternative store um but they sell um records and they sell like a lot of memorabilia some really dope like uh merch or, like gear and stuff like that shirts stickers um yeah 45s um yeah a lot of those were imports those were really expensive some of those were like 40 dollar seven inches um because they're they're imports from the uk but uh, but yeah i'm just a collector like uh, of anything that i think is dope so 
Um, and obviously music is, you know what I mean? That's my, uh, that's my jam. So, <laughs> so awesome. yeah. We, we want to talk a little bit about Twitch and social media, and uh, we got this, uh, another um, stupid video we're going to roll, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Oh, I love it. Let's see it. Goon fools, all shook up, you hound dogs, don't be cruel. It is now or never. Let's talk social media. Uh-huh-huh. 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 <laughs> so good man the forrest gump flip oh my god it's amazing that's amazing so we know uh how often are you streaming these days uh i try uh, at least once a week um this uh, the last couple of weeks i've had like a decent amount of downtime so i've been doing like two maybe three a week um but yeah like on average like once a week um throughout the course of the year so on a good week, I can squeeze. Yeah, I can get two in there. So, and you you've mentioned earlier that you know, and I I heard your um, Drew and I both listened to your episode on Spiders podcast too, and you talked a little mm -hmm. bit about how you're being a lot more selective with the gigs that you're taking. Do you feel that Twitch is also like filling that void for you to where like you're DJing still, but you're not having to take like gigs as much? Uh, filling the void, I'd say. Um... I'd say uh, partially um, in the sense that, um, well, I guess uh, the better way to answer this would be Twitch uh, streaming um, has kind of spoiled me because uh, I've learned that, um, you know, uh, I can kind of celebrate and play the music that I want to. And I've been fortunate enough to kind of cultivate a small audience for that um, that appreciates it and like loves it as much as I do and so now because of that um, I can pretty much just kind of like we were talking about earlier like what would be my theme song or you know my top five you know all-time you know records played um, I feel like with live streaming it's the same thing like the the music I play on any given stream changes um ba ba day to day based on whatever i'm in the mood for some days it's a little bit of everything some days it's a vinyl set some days um you know like i discover a few new things digitally um some days it's all just like new wave alternative rock um you know classic and and new stuff too um so i feel like it's kind of spoiling me in the sense that because i'm able to do that and really really enjoy it and again celebrate it with um, people that are just as passionate and appreciate it um, I have so much fun doing that that it's hard for me now to go back to like that big room world or like, you know, play a gig where I know that I'm going to be kind of confined to like this narrow lane of music. Um, but I know that I would have to do that because there's, you know, that's what the room or the audience or, you know, the guests there are going to want to hear. So that's kind of why I'm more selective about like, um, uh, the live events that I do, um, it needs to be, for me personally, this is just a personal preference, it needs to be something where I can kind of have fun and kind of just just be myself musically. Um, again, so those those gigs, um, the, the downside to that is obviously those things don't happen every week or even every month. So, you know, sometimes it's, um, 
there might be like two or three months, you know, go by before I, I do anything live. Um, but the things that I do, uh, I am fortunate enough to, when I am fortunate enough to step out and do, there are things that I'm, I'm passionate about, I'm excited about. Um, and so those are the kind of gigs that I'm, that I'm doing. So, um, a couple examples, um, I did, uh, a one-hour set with uh, the comedian uh, Russell Peters. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, with oh, Russell, wow. um, but right. yeah, he did a yeah. So he's uh, part of his tour. Um, he this was Memorial Day weekend uh, of this year, um, so he was um, performing out at Agua Caliente, which is down in uh, Palm Springs, like a casino resort. Mm -hmm. And so they had a theater there. So he called me. And he was like, uh, and he's a DJ also. He's you know grew up on you know yeah. music. He's very into it. And so um, he's really adamant about having that be a part of his his whole thing. So he asked me to come out and do a one hour set, and um, I was like, "Well, what do you want me to do?" He's like, "All that stuff that you do, like on stream, like all the hip hop, the, the indie rock, the alternative, like obviously some you know turntablism, like do that." I'm like, "I'm in, I'm there." You know I mean? <laughs> so that was like one gig that I did, but literally that was just like one one off, like you know, right? Um, and then I also. Um, uh, so coming up, uh, January 6th, not this Saturday, next Saturday, there's um, a legendary um, kind of boom bap hip hop night that's been going on for, I want to say 16 or 17 years now. It's called Boombox, but it's um, it's been happening at the same place in Chinatown, um, this really small, really dope spot called the Grand Star Jazz Cafe. Um, but they do this night. It's a monthly. And um, the first one of every year, the first Boombox of every year, is always native tongues night so like uh you know anything native tongues so de la soul jungle brothers moni love queen latifah black sheep um so that's uh i'm doing a one hour set um at that that party um and that's yeah saturday january the 6th um so again I, it's kind of like all over the place but um but to answer your question those are those are the kind of the gigs that i that i do and then you know outside of that it's just yeah just live streaming you know um when i, have but I saw you did uh the best friend in vegas too recently oh yeah yeah, yeah. yep just did that recently shout out to uh, to chef roy um yeah that that's a lot of fun because again that's like again um, i don't know if you guys have ever been but it's um it's a restaurant you know what i mean and it, it gets packed in there but um the food is amazing um chef roy is just a, an amazing chef um and he's also an Angelino. Um, he's our brother out here from Cali. And um, so he, you know, appreciates, um, you know, obviously all that same music we've been talking about. And his right. restaurant, um, it's just always such a vibe in there um, that uh, it, it's just a place where it's just a great place to kind of just flex the entire range, you know what I mean, as a DJ. So um, I always look forward to playing there. And then um, I did um, the club next door, which is on the record. This is all inside the Park MGM Casino and Resort on the Vegas Strip. And they have two rooms there, but the room I was in, they call it the pat uh, the patio. But that the format back there is basically, what did they say? Um, like nothing. Funk? No, it's nothing past two thousand five. So anything from the seventies, eighties, nineties up to two thousand five is fair game. So that's the format back there. So that's where you can kind of begin, kind of like play a lot of classics, everything from like you know obviously like seventies disco. 80s pop, you know, I mean, funk, R&B, backyard boogie, 90s hip hop, and even some like 2000s. I guess they call them throwbacks now. So, yeah. you know, um, so <laughs> stuff like fun. that. So you can, yeah, it's fun because you can. That said, yeah. yeah. And to me, that's like um, I have more fun doing that because I even for me as a DJ now, like uh, again, when you talk about like any any music from like 70s, 80s, and these are records that you know are 30, 40 plus years old, right? And especially when it comes to hip hop, like. Um, 
these are records that not just us, but like people have been listening to for like 30 plus years. So you can yeah. only get so excited to hear, you know, um, a record that you've been, it's still a great record. It's timeless, yeah. you know, um, but you can only get so excited, like, okay, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like as a DJ, the challenge for me now, again, my approach, my style of DJing is finding like a different kind of creative, fun way to play the record, whether that's like, you know, bringing in the original sample or doing something like with uh, recording an acapella off of a 12 inch, um, you know what I mean? Like a different way for the audience to kind of experience a record that they're familiar with that they've been hearing for 30 plus years. Um, and then outside of that, you know, I like being able to not spend too much time in any one lane. So like uh, using kind of on the record, like the patio as an example, um, because the range is so wide, right? I can go from, I can play like three or four disco records. And then if I'm at like 125, 130, I can jump into like some 80s pop stuff. You know what I mean? Play a few of those. And then maybe I can transition, you know, out of that. So I can kind of like, you know, lane jump. You know what I mean? I don't have to play like this top 40, you know, set for like two hours, like, um, yeah. you know, straight. Like just for me, like um, I just get a little bored. You know what I mean? So I like that challenge of like, you know, how am I going to like, bridge you know six or seven different genres like all this great music you know i mean there's so much music to choose from where do i start and you know what i mean so that excites me so um i like doing stuff like that so um so yeah shout out to, to on the record and to, to chef roy um so those are those are great places to if you're like um you know a real real music head um and, you know you love and appreciate music from all the different you know eras and, and decades of the past like those are great places to kind of just like i said just flex your range you know yeah, actually, cool. I haven't been. I've been wanting to go. Um, I, I really been wanting to go, but one of these days we'll make it out there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Let me know when you guys do. I'm always up for for a trip to Vegas. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. I would love to catch uh, you play in that the patio. I think that would be super. Oh fun. yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a did. good time. Me and Kevin were doing that whatever party, and you came out and did it. And your set was—it's very similar to that. It was just like—I <laughs> mean, I remember you opening with Lily Allen. I was like, okay, this is going to be an adventure. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that night. I think I have it on CD somewhere. Yeah, I remember uh, that. I remember that. Yeah, that was a fun night. That was a fun night. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. <clears throat> uh, one of the things um, I wanted to ask about that I see on Instagram is uh, the made from scratch pizza. Oh, yeah. We'd love to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so made yeah. from scratch is a... Uh, I'm sorry. Did no, I, I was just going to say... No. Yeah. Do exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> okay. So um, another bit of a uh, long story. I'll try and give you the short version. So Beat Junkies, um, we have a few things going on. Uh, we have uh, our online music service for DJs, BeatJunkies.com. And uh, we also have an online DJ school that's Beat Junkies. TV, and then we also have a brick and mortar school out here in Glendale, uh, the Beat Junkie Institute of Sound. So, um, made from scratch pizza is something that uh, my partners and I discussed in like 2017, I think, uh, 17, 2018, somewhere around there. But at the time, um, you know, we had so much going on with our other businesses that we just it kind of just got put on the back burner. And then fast forward to the pandemic, all of us we had nothing but downtime so we um we started kind of digging more into the idea um and that's where we really really kind of finalized uh, the concept and um from there um, once the world kind of slowly started to reopen we had an opportunity um 
to use a space out in Redlands, which is in the Inland Empire, further east in San Bernardino County. Um, but uh, we're right there in the heart of downtown Redlands. And so uh, we've been working on it for little over a year and uh, we're getting very close but our concept is um, obviously like all of us were our, our DJs but we're, our concept is basically bringing in music and DJ culture bringing that making that part of the dining experience um, for all of the guests and obviously like you know product which is the food is um, the bread and butter so we're working with two um, world-renowned chefs uh, chef Greg and chef Mark um, out here they've opened a dozen plus restaurants um, in the LA area uh, so they're the ones that are kind of like you know guiding us with um, menu curation um, directing us to anything and everything from all the things and moving parts that go with um, opening a, a restaurant um, so just all the permitting um, walking us through uh, connecting the dots with uh, food distributors um, menu tasting just everything right there's just so much to do this is like the biggest project i've ever been involved with and <laughs> yeah. um you know we're coming in like on the music side but um what it is going to be is basically um yeah uh, it's going to be a pizzeria uh we have a full bar so we have full liquor license and uh, we're going to be open five days a week to start uh wednesday to wow. sunday and um we're looking to do um a few like just cool cool kind of different things so we're definitely going to be uh, doing an 80s night um, we're just kind of deciding on whether that's going to be a Friday or a Saturday. Uh, we're going to be doing like a Sunday kind of like feel good, like R and B soul vibe type brunch. We're going to be doing, um, bringing guest DJs, doing like all vinyl sets, stuff like that. But again, just kind of making that part of the experience when you come in and let's enjoy like a slice or, you know what I mean? A pie with your family, your friends, um, have a cocktail. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that project. So, um, Knock on wood. Um, we're getting really close to uh, to grand opening. Um, we still have a few more kind of like I's to dot and T's to cross um, with um, just permitting um, really is what it's come down to. But um, everything's in place. We bought like all of our dining room furniture, our bar is built, um, DJ booth, everything's there. Um, it's just um, these last kind of couple of, um, of uh, things with uh, just uh, the city, really the city of Redlands before we can open the doors. So, um, we have the NAM convention coming up. I think that's end of January. So we're looking at probably mid late February for our, our official grand opening. Um, but we're planning to probably soft open probably shortly after the NAM convention. So like that top of February. Um, but yeah, made from scratch pizza. Um, if you guys want to check us out, we're on Instagram. Um, scratch is S K R A T C H. And uh, again, we're in Redlands out here in California. Um, all the beat junkies are definitely going to come through and DJ. We'd love for you guys to come out and play. Again, this is going to be a place where there's going to be no format, no rules. Um, the only thing I think that we agreed on, the partners, was that we want to keep it family friendly. So we want to keep um, all the music. We would, we would love for the DJs to to play clean versions. Of everything right. um and we're not looking to play anything really current as far as like hip-hop that's not really the sound that we're going for um we're looking to again just kind of like keep uh keep all the vibes easy so anything and everything else um is fair game you know what i mean whether that's from the 70s the 80s you know yacht rock um anything goes you know what i mean we're just looking to to make it fun and make it cool make it different and um uh, a place to uh for people to come and just uh enjoy music and uh a bomb pizza so awesome. it's always it's going to be a rotating lineup of DJs all day. Uh, that the actual day, the actual hours, um, we're still kind of working that out. But I think Fridays and Saturdays, those are going to be our long days and nights. So um, there's probably going to be like two shifts. So we're probably looking to have DJs for about eight hours on both of those days. 
Sundays, um, the hours of operation are going to be 11 a.m. because we're going to be doing the brunch, um, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So probably split that up between two DJs. Um, and then Wednesdays and Thursdays, um, we've talked about a couple of different ideas, um, nothing final just yet. But those are the nights we're kind of looking to do something different. So um, one idea that we talked about, um, again, this is just a kind of tentative, but a working idea, well, we called it Wax Wednesday. So not necessarily maybe a DJ set, but this was going to be something where um, again, because Wednesdays and Thursdays are pretty much like slower nights, like anywhere. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays are slower most anywhere. But on Wednesdays, um, we were thinking that, you know, I would bring in a crate of or a couple of boxes of 45s. And it would be like anyone that comes in, you know, dines with us, any of our guests, instead of having like a jukebox, they could walk up at any point, like during their meal, before, or after, whenever, and they could kind of like browse through our 45s. Instead of like, you know, it'd be like choosing a record in a jukebox. You just pull the record out, you know, yeah. and just kind of leave it like this is my record. And then, you know what I mean? At some point they get to to hear the record. So not not necessarily DJing so much, but just right. kind of letting, again, like kind of letting our guests like kind of be a part of that that whole experience. You know what I mean? Like letting them yep. kind of have a moment of being a selector, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So, Should, um, so like stuff do, like that. You could do a... Uh... You know, I think what would be cool too is if, like, if you, I don't know how close the chefs are going to work with you after you've been open, but like, if every Wednesday you had like a featured pizza and then there was a whole album that paired with the pizza. So, um, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great, that's too. a great idea. Um, so yeah, like, um, I mean, we're looking to bring in uh, music and, and DJ culture like into every like aspect of the restaurant. So, decor obviously is going to be a lot of music memorabilia. Um, I'm really excited for. For the place to get finished um you know if it's anything like we talked about or envisioned it's going to be a really cool spot just to kind of like hang and just you know just check out like uh just just different like memorabilia and whatnot from from the decades past but one of the one of the things that we talked about was like uh the actual menu right so like our pepperoni pizza uh we're calling it uh, the notorious pig instead of you know, <laughs> pepperoni pig get it like uh, pork, yeah, yeah. yeah so stuff stuff like that you know what i mean we're trying to have fun with it and just you know do something a little different and just uh yeah again celebrate music and um and, and do it that way i so, love it and i know you you guys also uh have a beat junkies beer i i don't know if that was a, a short-lived or if it's still still around no we do yeah we yeah. um so we released uh it's the second edition um it's called the Shore Shot. Um, so we yeah. collaborated with, um, shout out to uh, Beer Tape. So Beer Tape is a, a company that um, what they do is they connect hip hop artists with um, breweries um, in and around um, you know, Southern California. So they've done collaborations with um, other um, hip hop artists, um, other DJ crews. So during the pandemic, um, we connected with them and they approached us with the idea of making our own Beat Junkies craft beer. So the first release, um, we collaborated with the brewery um, Aero Lodge Brewing Company out here in Covina, California. Um, and that beer was a double West Coast IPA, um, 8%. And um, so we did a whole release Ooh. event for it. Um, yeah, it was a free event. Um, we, you know, obviously sold the beer. They had it on tap. Um, and then we sold cans to go. We had some, you know, short shot merch. And that was great. Um, I feel like that was um, a really special day for, for the crew um, because, again, this is... February of 2021. So this is coming kind of out of the pandemic. And this yeah. was the first time that people were starting to kind of go outside. And this is the first time in a long time that my entire crew had kind of like been on stage together. 
So I feel like that kind of excited people. And, you know, so we brought out, you know, um, you know, friends and fans of the beat junkies, but then we also brought out this whole community of beer enthusiasts that were like coming just to check out this new beer that yeah. their local brewery was releasing. And so everyone's like pleasant surprise, like the brewery shout out to Aero Lodge. They killed it. Like the beer came out amazing. Like, we made a bunch of new like friends and fans and like really I feel like um kind of earned like uh the respect of like the beer community that day because the beer just came out so good. So that was a fantastic event. And then recently, in celebration of 50 years of hip hop, um, we re-released the Shore Shot, but we uh, kind of repackaged it and we re-released it as a an hazy IPA. So this Ooh. one's um a hazy. Um, if you guys are into craft beers or for oh, anybody yeah. that's not, so you get you know what's up with a hazy, but um Hazies, um, for anyone that's not into craft beer, these are, um, they tend to be kind of like a little lighter, brighter, crispier, and they have a hint of uh, citrus, a um, little citrus kick to them. So they're, they're a lot smoother than your, your traditional kind of IPA or lager, um, which makes it uh, a little more palatable. I feel like for people that, you know, aren't necessarily into IPAs, and this one's actual, uh, is actually a 7% um, compared to the last one that was 8 But this one, we worked with another brewery in downtown Los Angeles, uh, Boomtown Brewery and repackaged it, kind of reimagined uh, the label. Um, I have some here, but I would have to step into the other room to, to show you guys. But um, we did, um, anyhow, we released this beer and then we did an event um, out here in Garden Grove at the Garden Grove Amphitheater in celebration of oh, 50 yeah. years of hip hop. So we did yeah. like a 50 years of hip hop um, jump off and then we uh, sold the beer at the event. And um, yeah, another like, you know what I mean? Not good one. That was another another big day for for the crew. And um, people really love the beer. Um, so yeah, you, I still have a few if you guys want to try it. Um, got a can few you buy on one deck, on your so. website? No. So this is part of the thing that I've learned with um, when you're selling alcohol, you have to be licensed to sell alcohol. So wow. um, so we were working the first time around. We worked with this um, website, uh, craftbeerkings.com, I think was the name. Um, so people were able to buy the Double West Coast, um, the first release, the Sure Shot through their website, um, but it was really expensive. It was like, I think the beer for a four pack was like 20 bucks, but then by the time like it gets packaged, shipped, like your people were paying like upwards of like 50, $55 to like get it. So I was like, oh, this is crazy. You know, let's not do that. Like, cause we don't, we don't want to come across as like us, like gouging, like, you know, our fans or we've never really right. like got down like right. that. Right. So we opted not to do that this time around, um, but because we're not licensed to sell beer, like we can't sell it on our website. So um, people would have to order it from the brewery, but I don't think that they're shipping this one. I would have to check with the brewery and with Beer Tape because for this this one, because we were doing it just for the 50 years of hip hop party that yeah. we threw, we did a relatively um, small batch. So we still have some left, but we sold the majority of it at the event. Um, but I can definitely talk to the the fellas and um, and see how people because people do ask like how can we get it and like sorry I can't 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 send it to you you know what I mean well, like take a bus or catch a, a plane. <laughs> will it be at the pizza spot? Yes, yes, it will be. We'll have it. We'll have it on tap out there. Okay, that's sure. awesome. Yeah, all right, that's definitely. really cool. That's dope. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So that's the Beat Junkie short shot. So so yeah, shout out to uh, to Aero Lodge and to uh, to Boomtown Brewery out here in Cali. Um, I wanted to say, since we're still on social media, you um, just mentioned the 50 years of hip hop, and I see that on your YouTube. You're you're doing quite a lot of mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. And are you recording these on Twitch and then posting them on YouTube, or um, are you put it, recording them just for YouTube to have kind of like that mixed up style people can put on, just listen? 
Yes. Um, yeah, no, you just hit it on the head. So those are, um, that was a series I started again, just kind of in celebration of, of the 50 years. Um, I recorded three episodes and those are um, exclusive to my YouTube channel. And um, that's just me, um, just, just DJing. But I, I made those again um, in celebration of 50 years of hip hop. And I made those mixes for people more. I mean, if you want, you can watch, you know what I mean? I don't know if you want to watch me DJ, but those are mixes um, for people just to kind of listen to, you know what I mean? Like where you're around the house cleaning up or you're having friends over or you're, you know, you're driving in the car, you're looking for a hip hop mix to listen to. So it's, it's no talking, no mic. It's just, uh, just music. You know what I mean? Uh, mixed, um, you know, my style. Um, and they're anywhere from 40 minutes to like one hour um, in length. And it's, um, it's anything and everything hip hop. So, you know, everything from, the golden era, which uh, when I say golden era, I'm, I'm talking about 80s hip hop, um, you know, all the way through, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, anything and everything as far as like related samples, you know, I'll weave those in sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's on my YouTube channel for anyone that wants to, to check How those out. How do you out. keep again, YouTube that's, from killing you with those, taking them down? Yeah, I know YouTube is, um, it's, I, I started my YouTube channel in 2014, I want to say, and um you know, I was doing like I had a handful of like quick mixes, like, you know, 20 minute mixes. I would do um, some vinyl mixes, um, but I had a few that didn't make it like YouTube would just block. And they never right. really at least back then they would there was no rhyme or reason, like at least like, uh, you know, the, the 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 channel owner, like they never really told you what song it was or even what label um, it was or what group. Maybe they would say like the label or the group, but they would never tell you like the artist and the title. So it got to a point for me where it was like really frustrating because, you know, you take the time to curate like a, you know, a playlist and then like kind of like iron out the mix and then, you know, you record it and maybe you goof up or mess up and you got to re-record it. So it's a process, right? And then you upload it, the whole thing, you know, um, what do they call that? The uh, copyright strike? No, the, um, you know, you have to kind of like, well, you don't have to, but like the description, you know what I mean? Right. You have to like track you know, list it out. Yeah, yeah everything all that stuff right so i would go through all that and um and there was a few that just youtube would just block it so i was like i just got frustrated and i stopped doing it and then i was talking to um my partner at j-rock on uh, the beat junkies and um we were talking i forget how we got on the subject uh, we started talking about mixes and recording mixes oh live streaming and um he was asking me oh how's the live streaming going i'm like it's cool he's like what about your youtube and i was tell him the same thing he's like oh man he's like yeah he's like you should think about like posting some of those mixes on YouTube and just see like, you know, if they live, he's like, cause not everyone's on Twitch. Not everyone's on Instagram. Like a lot of people still check for YouTube. I'm like, damn, you're right, man. Like a lot, a lot of, cause I, I watch YouTube, you know what I mean? I was like, dang, you're right. So I kind of like, um, went back to it earlier this year and, um, like so far so good. I, however, I did have, I had one mix and again, this was recent. This was a few months ago. Um, this was, uh, through my, Kind of listening to and um you know being inspired by alternative and new wave music i've been discovering a lot of new indie rock um and kind of like dark wave you know um music uh the last like two years and so i wanted to make a mix um of that and post that on my youtube channel so i did i did like a 45 minute mix took the time recorded it the, the whole process went through the whole thing i uploaded it cool and then um i woke up the next morning to an email and basically YouTube, they had blocked it, but they didn't, again, they didn't tell me why. It's like, dang it, you know what I mean? Cause I, I really like that mix and I wish uh, something that like, you know, uh, I feel like there's not a whole lot of out there. And this was like newer music, you know what I mean? Um, not like, you know, some of the stuff from the eighties. It's like new stuff um, that I really, really am into. 
and I wanted to share it with the audience, but for whatever reason, um, YouTube, there was one artist or one label that just wasn't having it, um, so they blocked it. Um, so I was like, dang it. So, um, But yeah, so far so good with the, the 50 Years of Hip Hop mixes that I did. Those, for whatever reason, were able to live. Um, and again, I'm using you know, music that's clearly owned from some, some major record labels right. you know, from, the, from the 80s and right. 90s. But right, I have one mix, I have one stream um, that I did I think this was last year, 2022. Um, I was part of a, they call it a raid train on the Twitch platform. Um, but there was a, a, a raid train that was kind of a celebration of uh, Midnight Marauders and um, Wu-Tang entered the 36 Chambers, oh, wow. two class. So they were released on the same day in November of 93. And so one of the DJs put together this lineup of, uh, of DJs from around the world to celebrate those two releases. And so I did a one-hour stream on my Twitch channel, and I was like, oh, what the heck, I'll just broadcast it to YouTube as well. And so for some, somehow, some way, that, and I did all Tribe Called Quest. It was like an hour and 15 minutes of all Tribe Called Quest, and I'm talking here and there because it's a live stream. But for whatever reason, that mix was cool on YouTube, right? <laughs> and so I don't know, man. I can't figure it out. It's, I, we, it's a little frustrating. We, we, it is frustrating. I mean, we get flagged all the time for stuff in our videos that's like royalty free music and then i have to go in and huh. dispute it and say you know i have to tell youtube where i got it from and you know all that and it's just a it's a pain it's it's just yeah. you know but for your pop for it, the podcast you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh wow that's cool. what's well, crazy what i was going to throw out for you is i've been seeing some of my favorite youtube channels because i watch all youtube and some of them are jumping over to patreon so they'll they'll do an edited down version and then the full things on patreon and you know i know for sure i'd subscribe to your patreon if it was just these mixes that you're talking about um Word. so just an idea yeah. no Whoops. funny you bring that up because I, I just started a patreon like three weeks ago so okay. specifically for that reason because i got a little frustrated with youtube and i still you know i subscribe to youtube premium the ad free version all that stuff yep. i watch a lot of youtube it's a great um it's a great place to find um just everything really um oh yeah but yeah just as a dj and again my youtube page i was never looking to monetize that i just wanted to kind of use it as a platform to share mixes because people would ask and i'm just like all right i'll just you know because you can't you do this make same on mixcloud you should like put teasers that way people on mixcloud can hear it and then if they want to go for the full thing they can get it on mm, your patreon because like excel yeah. we talked to excel and he, he just puts everything he does on Mixcloud. And he has like 6,000 followers on Mixcloud now. That, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, he, and has like, a, he has his own app, too. And so his app, he posts every mix that he does. And uh, I guess uh, Jazzy Jeff's guy did it. And mm -hmm. he, um, you, you go on the app, and then all of his mixes are on there. But, you know, everyone's trying to do it different ways because the the frustrating thing with Mixcloud is you can't rewind it or listen to it more than three times, and you know it's all these yeah. barriers. Oh, right. But right, that's like right, a great right. thing. It's like if you enjoy it, then you could go download the full thing on your your Patreon. Right. Yeah. So I did. I started one just literally like a few short weeks ago, and I have I think eight mixes. Um, and again, it's just kind of all the genres that we talked about. So I have right. um, obviously some hip hop mixes. That so that that dark wave mix that I. Put on youtube that got blocked that's on my patreon channel and that's a video um that's an actual video but again it's not it's not me talking it's just the music um that's like a 45 minute mix that's up there i have um, a tribute mix to um to fife from tribe called quest um that got blocked that mix got blocked on youtube but my live stream didn't 
weird. Um, <laughs> but the the my tribute to Five Dog mixes on there. I've got a handful of other just exclusive content on there. And I actually recently digitized um, one of my mixes from my radio days from 92.3 the beat um Ooh, that dope. was um yeah from 98 so i digitized that that's like a 30 minute set so that's on my patreon channel so and i'm going to be uploading stuff and recording stuff that's going to be exclusive and I'm, I'm only asking five bucks a month you know what i mean so and that's just like i said more of a plate for a place for people that are looking for mixes or just stuff to listen to um you know uh, from me like that's where you can find it right there so. i think that's awesome I I think it's dope. And the new Patreon app, I just, I put it on there because I've been seeing everyone jump there. And it's, that's actually pretty, pretty cool. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to stream from and, you know, you know, do stuff off of, on your phone. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been enjoying it so far. So, so yeah, shameless plug right there. Find me on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that we always do, and we got a video for this. This is a, a great uh, Drew Pierce production is oh, we talk so about. Bad. It needs to be done. Redone. <laughs> I, love it's it crazy, I love it already. It's a crazy <laughs> DJ story. So I'm going to roll this and then we're going to ask you for a crazy <laughs> DJ story. Oh, man. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. You guys need more of those, man. Those <laughs> we do have, we have, we, we change them every, every episode, but there's a, uh, we have Kermit, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have more than, we have so many <laughs> random ass ones. That's dope. <laughs> we'll have to show you one afterwards. Um, yeah, if you have a funny or a crazy DJ story, and then we had a, a call in for a request of a story after what, when, when that you have. Sure. Sure. Um, oh my God. I have so many. Um, Okay. All right. Um, so I think I mentioned this record uh, earlier, right? The Far Side passing me by. So when did that come out? Uh, you guys happen to know what year that was? I want to say it was 94, 95. All right. Let's check. Hold on. You can always pull out the record, right? And find out. 1993? 93. You're right. Oh, jeez. 93. Okay, so the year this record came out, um, so I was 93. I was probably like, yeah, yeah, 19 years old, 19 going on 20 or 20. So um, I was working my first job, which was miserable. Um, the very first job I got, uh, I grew up in a suburb called Cerritos, uh, which is out here in Southern California um, in L.A. County, but kind of like on the border of L.A. and Orange County, right in the heart of so SoCal. So where there's this business um, – called msi international and they would hire all these like young kids and what we would do we would go in they would hand us a stack of papers and we would literally cold call people's residences um not selling anything but asking them if they had time or a few quick minutes for a survey right so you get a couple people every now and again that would you know be you know oh happy to you know talk to you um you would get cussed out <laughs> you would get hung up on so it's like the worst job ever right so again, these are, you know, I'm working uh, in an office and we all had cubicles. So I'm working with a bunch of other teenagers. So I was working with, you know, other kids from my surrounding areas, Norwalk, um, Bellflower, Lakewood. Um, and then there was a, a guy that came over from Whittier. And this guy walks into the office one day. He was a new employee, right? 
And this guy walks into the office with a hat that says DJ Richie Rich, right? And the rich was spelled with a dollar sign. And underneath it says, we'll battle for money. I'm like, who's this guy, right? Like, who <laughs> walks into like, what? And so whatever. So we start talking. And um, so he's got a crew from Whittier. And so, um, you know, we ended up becoming friends and stuff. And so, like, he would come to my crib and practice. And then, like, I'd go out their way and, like, do some of their gigs with them, house parties, garage parties, et cetera. So there was this record store in his area that I used to go to once in a while called Fast Lane Records. I don't know if, um, if it's around anymore. But, again, this is in the early 90s. So DJ Richie Rich comes into work one day. And he's like, yo, he's like, uh, did you hear about the battle? I'm like, no, nah, what battle? And I had never been in a DJ competition before. He's like, Fastlane Records, they're having a DJ battle. And he's like, first prize is like, you know, 100 bucks. Uh, you get like a pack of records. Um, and then you get to DJ at um, this club, the Variety Arts Center in downtown LA. You get like a 30-minute DJ set. I'm like, all right, when is it? And so he's like, yeah, you should enter. So, all right, talks me into entering. So I practice for this battle. And the reason I bring... Uh, this record up is because this was one of the songs. Um, wait, no, 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 no. I didn't use it in the battle. So I end up winning this battle, right? Yeah. I end up winning. I end up winning this battle, and um, you know, so I get my hundred bucks, and I'm all stoked, and and so like, yeah. So um, you're gonna come down to Variety Arts Center, and you're gonna DJ thirty minute DJ sets, part of your prize package. You know what I mean? We're gonna introduce you. We're gonna bring you out. I'm like, cool. You know what I mean? I had no idea. I'd never been in the Variety Arts Center. You know, never been to a nightclub. Again, I'm 20 years old. The clubs I was doing, they were small. They were more like, like I said, kind of hip hop. So to give you guys some context, like to win this DJ battle, I used, um, I remember playing um, Onyx, Throw Your Guns in the Air. Um, I had like, a, I think a Nubian Crackers record, like break beats. And then I had like, did some scratching, like whatever, like a, like an eight minute DJ set, right? I ended up winning. And so it comes time to the uh, to the nightclub, right? Like the big payoff, like my big my big chance, right? So I go to this uh, uh, Variety Arts Center, which is um, a classic building in, in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. And the Variety Arts Center, um, I think it's still there, but the Variety Arts Center, Arts Center is a four-story building um, in downtown LA. And it was basically a lobby. And then there was the three floors above it were at the time in the 90s, they were nightclubs, right? So I go up to the fourth floor. We take the elevator up to the fourth floor. The room probably held, I'd say like 800. It was big room, wow. right? Yeah. Big sound system. I, the elevator door opens up. It's packed. Music's loud. And um, right away, I knew that this was um, kind of a, the Latin scene, right? Because they're playing like all up-tempo, <laughs> like 90s house, right? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, what is this? And everyone's like dressed, like dressed to the nines, like super nice. I'm in they there. Didn't, they didn't give you any shorts. heads up of what to play? Nothing? No, they just told me I was nothing. This is the 90s, so just like, you know? So I'm in shorts and like, I don't know, man. Like, just, I, I look ridiculous, right? Like, I'm out of place. <laughs> and they walk me up to the DJ booth. And the DJ booth at the time was in the back of the room um, and over on this kind of balcony riser that overlooked the entire room, right? So I walk upstairs. I have my bag of records. And I set my records down and I'm looking and I'm just like, wow, this is crazy, right? And so they're like, hey, man, you ready, kid? I'm like, okay. Get on the <laughs> mic to introduce me. So mind you, the whole room is just like, it's popping, super popping. Yeah, like yeah. people are dancing, partying, like house music. Like it's going off. Like 
Girls are screaming like a dance floor's packets <laughs> jumping. They introduced me. And now, you're 1993. Fast Lane Records, DJ Champion, Melody. Take it away, Melody. What does Melody do? First record. <laughs> oh my God. Yo. I cleared the floor of the room so uh, fast. <laughs> it was like, all right, time oh, to go man. to the bar. I think I, I think they gave me like, I don't, they pulled me. It was like 12 or 15 minutes. Clearly, I didn't bring any of the right music, right? I brought probably the records, like this record and the records I used to win the battle, thinking, oh, right. I'm gonna do my winning DJ set. No, nah, yeah. that wasn't the that wasn't the that wasn't the vibe that night. But I'll never forget that night because it was just like wow, it was a big like learning lesson. Like obviously, like it was like really embarrassing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, I'll never forget that. Like, oh man. Oh my God. It was the worst. Imagine going from like 125 BPM, like just like feel good house music room had probably been jumping for two and a half hours straight. To that. You know what I mean? Like, classic hip hop. Right. Going right. to like 90 beats per minute. You know what I mean? With the Quincy Jones sample. Like it just, I don't know. Like, we've all had those. <laughs> we've all had those moments though. I feel like every, every DJ coming up has had a moment where they remember just being like, Oh man, this was not the place for me to do this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Uh, so that's that. That'd be my, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say crazy, but that's definitely a funny story. Look, it wasn't funny at the time, but like looking back, it's, it's pretty, pretty classic. Um, and then Kevin Scott phoned in uh, the piano bar story. Oh, the piano bar story. Yeah, that's uh, that was a, that was a fun night. Um, so this was. Ah, mid 2000s i want to say like 2000 maybe like eight or nine somewhere around there and uh kevin scott uh his wife joy the g and uh the good brother white matic um they were out in vegas i can't remember if kevin had a gig or they were just out there like on a holiday for a weekend i had a night off and um so we decided to like go out and do something like i think we went went and grabbed dinner and then after that we were looking for something to do and we were at the Venetian and uh, we we're like, ah, do we want to go to a club? Like, and we were all kind of like, nah, like we were at the club last night. Like, you know what I mean? Let's, I don't know. What do you guys want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, should we go over here? So we're walking through the Venetian trying to discover or not discover, figure out what we wanted to do. And uh, we walked past this bar, small bar in the Venetian. And there's a guy in there playing piano and like, ah, oh, well, let's, you know, let's pull over right here, like little pit stop and stop for a drink and figure it out. So long story short, we end up going to this bar, um, having a couple drinks, and ah, well, 30 minutes goes by. We still don't know what we want to do. We end up having a seat. And uh, anyhow, long story short, we end up just having like this amazing time, like, you know, tipping the piano guy, like to play like songs, like we're up there, like singing and dancing, like acting a fool. And it was just like this total, just, you know, um, kind of spontaneous thing that I don't think any of us ever saw coming because uh, yeah. we couldn't decide what to do, but we ended up uh, just having this pretty, pretty epic night uh just the, the the few of us there at this piano bar i couldn't even tell you the name of it but it was just uh, this <laughs> piano bar inside the venetian hotel and uh yeah that was a, a really fun hangout so uh yeah shout out to the to the squad those are the sure. best nights when you just stumble upon something and it's something that wouldn't have been fun necessarily but ends up being the most amazing thing ever yeah no for sure uh, one a night to remember most definitely one of the last things we always do on the podcast, we call it the sauce, and we got another video to roll. And the sauce is just uh, any advice you give to younger DJs, any 
anything maybe you'd do differently in your career, um, we'll roll this video and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, the name is Bootsy, baby. And uh, this shout out goes out to Drew and Fuse, all the way from Cincinnati to the LBC bobble. Yeah, I was told you guys are quite the chefs and you got a delicious sauce that you cooked up. Ooh, and it drips that swagoo and breaks down the recipe. Yeah, and you giving up the pee, cause it's funky. As in good that is, finger funkin' good. On the one, by the power of the one. Yeah, without that, there is none. So get yours and be in tune with the one that loves you. Get it, baby. amazing i wasn't sure where that was going at first and then he tied it all in with chefs and the sauce i was like the song the segment's called the song okay yeah you guys came with the funk came with the funk on that one shout out to bootsy man that's the real shine bootsy. Mike, shine Mike. <laughs> shout out bootsy <laughs> yeah hit us with the sauce uh like you said anything you would tell your younger self future self any little tidbits for just people that have been listening oh my gosh uh yeah there's a lot um I would say to kind of like uh, <clears throat> tie everything in together, you know, in, in tw well, 20, 20, 2024 now, there's, I feel like, well, the landscape, it's changed so much um, since I started. I mean, obviously I, I come from this and pre-internet, pre-social media by a landslide. Um, but now I feel like fast forward to present day, there's, there's so many things that um, we need to be mindful of right i mean outside of just djing outside of like the music um now i know we touched on like social media you know um uh if you're djing out live or if you're recording mixes there's you know a gazillion different places and platforms and i just feel like there's so many peripherals now with being a dj and i i feel like um you know it's important to Pay respect to all of them um, as much as you can. So I would I would definitely say to all the the younger DJs, all the up and coming DJs, you know, if you haven't created like an Instagram for yourself, a TikTok for yourself, a Twitch, or you know, um, again, there's a variety of different platforms to choose from. I would say do that. But when you do, uh, whatever your handle is or your DJ name is, try and as much as you can. If it's not taken, try and keep those consistent from platform to platform. So that, you know, there's just some um, sign that there's um, everything's cohesive um, across, you know, as far as like branding, uh, I feel like that's important. Um, and if you are doing any kind of live streaming um, or you're having any kind of um, personality presence um, on any social media, just be, be authentic, be yourself, um, you know, uh, not, not everyone will kind of jive with what you do um i know like for me like the style of music that i play it's not for everybody right but there is an audience for it but just um be true to yourself be authentic um it can be a little awkward i mean i'm still getting used to it being on camera you know talking to an empty space and getting something back virtually like in a live chat like on a live stream definitely takes getting used to um but just kind of stick to your guns um be yourself and um that will 
resonate with your audience. And, and I think the reason I say that, one thing that I learned through the pandemic is that, you know, this going back to, you know, lockdown, um, there was a time like in the world where we weren't sure if we were going to make it. Like, are we going to survive this one? Like, what's going on? Like, people were like, you know, dying and there was a lot of just like, you know, death and darkness and sickness, like all around us. Right. And I feel like that really just kind of humbled everybody. And I feel like um, during that time, people really regained an appreciation for authenticity and for honesty and for being forthcoming. And I feel like that's something that I personally took away from the pandemic. So I try, you know, to kind of just um, remind myself of that, like when I turn the camera on and I live stream, like, you know what, Melo, if you mess up this mix or if you, you know, whatever, this record skips or like you have one sip of too many of the short shot, you make a fool of yourself. It's okay. It's all right, man. Like it's still, it's still you. That's who you are. You know what I mean? Like um, it'd be the same way off camera. You know what I'm saying? So um, that'd be another bit of advice um, for DJs. And just, um, I think ultimately what it is, is um, just be true to the game, man. Just like, you know, whatever you're into, if you're a turntablist, if your goal is to be out there playing in, you know, some of the biggest rooms in the world, study that, be a student of the game, you know, um, don't ever take anything for granted there's always going to be you know when you just when you think you've got a handle on you know a technique or you know you've got a full grasp of you know uh, knowledge of music like there's always going to be new music coming out there's always going to be another guy that comes you know out of left field like whoa who's this guy and he's doing something really cool and different you know what i mean just be true to the game you know what i'm saying if it's something that you really love and and you're passionate um about like um everything that you may want um, to earn will come in time. You know what I mean? But don't let that be the reason uh, for you getting into the game. You know what I mean? Don't get into the game for the wrong reasons. Don't get into the game because you see, you know, DJ John Doe over here making, you know, $1.2 million a year. Don't let that be the, the reason that you're, you know, you want to become a DJ. You should become a DJ or become anything in life because you truly love it and you're passionate about it. You know what I mean? Um, I heard this... Um, expression one time um that really resonated with me and i think reigns true for for anybody um and it goes um if you find something that you love to do you'll never work a day in your life i feel like that's so true right um so i think that'd be probably like my biggest um bit of advice is just just to be true to yourself be true to the game again there's this is what we do um as djs like we're artists you know what i mean um it's it's creative art you know what i mean um, some of us you know we're nightclub DJs. Some of us, you know, I'm a bedroom DJ. Like I have like a, a, a wall of vinyl, you know what I mean? That people may or may not be into. Um, other people, um, you know, there's guys out there that play um, instrumental music. You know what I mean? There's guys out there that play foreign psych rock music. You know what I'm saying? There's no, I'm saying all this to say that there's, there's no right or wrong because it's art. You know what I mean? So as an artist, you know what I mean? Like, um, you definitely want to be mindful of putting your art out to the world. So my approach, and not that this is, you know, right or wrong, but my personal approach has always been, you know what I mean? If I'm recording a mix for my Patreon channel, um, if I'm recording a mix for my YouTube channel, and I have all the opportunity, all the time in the world to get it as close to perfect, or at least if it's not going to be perfect, to a level that I personally feel good about, I would say be mindful of that too, because you're going to be judged when you put your art out there. So make sure that 
you know, um, if you're going for that kind of raw, like that one take Jake kind of feel, and that's kind of like your style, then do that. But if you're going out there um, to kind of, you know, kind of create this, um, I wouldn't say image, but um, kind of garner this reputation for sounding a certain way, take your time to where before you release it, you know, and share it with the world that you personally are happy about it. Because as long as you feel good about it, then you should have no reservations about putting it out there and let the comments come in as they may. And, um, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get hopefully like, you know, a lot of praise, um, you know, a lot of um, recognition, but you're also going to get like, for whatever reason, YouTube is just like the most toxic space ever. So you're going to get like every now and again, like just some loser hater, like who has like 1.5 followers of his own, right? <laughs> has no content on his channel, but it's going to have something dumb to say because that's what he does day in and day out, like goes around. Yeah, right. So just don't let that discourage you. But um, anyhow, I could go on and on, but I feel like th th those would be like probably a few things that I would I would share with like um, any up and coming DJ, any DJ period, you know what I mean? Um, and these are kind of things that I've, you know, just kind of come to realize like over the years um, doing this as long as I have, so. Oh, and, and, and I would say if you're going to go do a set at the Variety Arts Center, it's a classic <laughs> record, but save it for another night. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I think it was just a different time when nobody was – the DJs, they were just excited to have DJs, right? It was, it was hard to come by. I remember when I was – before serato i couldn't find anybody to cover my shifts you know so if you found yeah. somebody you're like oh i got a guy and it didn't even matter if you what he could do you're just like i got the guy though you know oh man for sure before we go is there anything else that you want to like promote or, or share or just tell everybody where they can find you or you know whatever whatever you want to promote yeah, I would love to. Um, so for all things uh, Melody, um, it's uh, DJ M-E-L-O-D on uh, Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, find me on Patreon.com. Um, again, that's a new platform for me. And uh, my live streaming channel, um, twitch.tv slash DJ M-E-L-O-D. Um, I live stream once to twice a week. Um, it's a good time. Uh, for all things uh, Beat Junkies, um, our online music service for DJs, uh, BeatJunkies.com, uh, our brick and mortar DJ school. If you're looking to kind of learn the Beat Junkie method, um, you know, um, some mix tricks, some creative mixing, some fun stuff like that. Um, we are BeatJunkiesound.com. And then if you are outside the greater Los Angeles area, you cannot physically make it to our brick and mortar DJ school. We've compacted all those lessons, techniques, and things um, into a video series. And all those videos live at our online DJ school, which is BeatJunkies.tv. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, shout out to all the DJs, everyone that supported, um, not just myself, but the crew, um, these last, um, three plus decades, it's been hell of a ride. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, ride out for another three plus decades and, um, yeah, much love to, to all the DJs, everyone that's just shown me, um, all the love and support in the world. Um, I really appreciate it. Keeps me going and, um, yeah, look forward to, to crossing paths with everybody. You ever see me out and about, catch me at the bar out the record store, out on the street, come by, say what up. I'm always happy to talk to my fellow DJs. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's been awesome. Shout out to you guys. Yeah. Big up DMS. Big up the squad. Yeah. Big up the Drew and Fuse show. Big up all the uh, the creative clips. Those are amazing. Uh, look forward <laughs> to seeing more of those. And, and, and thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Amazing thank interview, you. man. Thank you so much for the time. <clears throat> okay. Right on, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Be easy. Thanks. All right. Peace. Peace.